Hi there, and welcome to the Grief and Rebirth podcast. I'm your host, author and trauma survivor, Irene Weinberg, here to encourage you wherever you are in your healing journey. In each episode, I chat with incredible grief and trauma specialists, healers, mediums, and celebs, as well as remarkable people who have inspiring healing stories to share. If you're looking for a podcast that's both uplifting and inspiring, you've found it. Let us help you find your joy in life. Hi, everyone. Welcome once again to Grief and Rebirth Podcast, where we interview grief and trauma specialists, healers, mediums, and people who have inspiring healing stories to share. I'm your host, Irene Weinberg. And before I begin today's interview, here's a reminder to please be sure to like Irene Weinberg, W-E-I-N-B-E-R-G, and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Today, I'm speaking to you from northern New Jersey while Emma Payne, our creative, compassionate, and tech-savvy guest, is speaking to us from Seattle, Washington. Emma is a passionate, award-winning change agent and skilled consensus builder who loves helping entrepreneurs grow their businesses and ideas. Her online and mobile projects have included building tools to register young people to vote, creating online networks of support for families facing health challenges, and launching North America's first online online crisis intervention line. Emma has combined her passion for mobile technology and engagement with her deep commitment to giving people the confidence and tools they need to support each other through grief by creating a text messaging service called Grief Coach, which she considers to be her life's work. Emma, I could not be more delighted to welcome you to Grief and Rebirth podcast. I have absolutely no doubt that many of our listeners will begin to use Grief Coach, your text messaging service that delivers personalized content tips and reminders to people who are grieving, as well as to their friends and family who want to support them. Let's begin our interview with this question. Your very clever and very creative concept called Grief Coach has its roots in a 20-minute walk in Montreal that began your grief journey and changed your life. Can you please share your heart-rending story with our listeners? Of course. Thanks for having me, Irene. My pleasure. The yeah. So I I lost my husband to suicide. Uh, actually, it's the it'll be the anniversary this week. So this um, is a difficult, this is a difficult week for me. Um, uh, a long time ago now, fifteen years, and it took me a long time to uh, work through that experience. Of course, and I think because it was a suicide, some people found it difficult to know what to say and how to engage with me. So there were lots of people I didn't hear from. Um, and in the absence of hearing from them, I, of course, invented all kinds of stories about how they must hate me or blame me or, or who knows what. Um, and, um, I, I also was extraordinarily lucky. I had a sister who moved across the country to be with me. I had girlfriends who sat up with me at night. I had free one-on-one, uh, counseling from a wonderful therapist in Vancouver who specialized in suicide losses. So I was very, I was very lucky. And there was you were one- also lucky and you were smart because you got healing and you got support. Yeah, I worked, uh, I worked at my survival for sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, and then there was one friend of Barry's who um, really was a, a key part of my recovery. His name was Gordon. He was Barry's best friend. They were also second cousins. And where others shied away, Gord would call me on the anniversary date. We would cry together. When his first child was born, he asked me to be Charlie's godmother, which was a huge deal because I felt like if if Gord could still trust me in that way, then I'm still a trustworthy person. Um, but sadly, Gordon was um, given a terminal cancer diagnosis a few years ago, and he passed away. And I had the experience of um, being with him and his family and his wife and boys during that during that experience was with him when he died. Um, that was a huge a huge loss for me. Um, and before he died, Gord asked me if I would deliver a eulogy at his funeral. And I said, of course, Gord, anything, anything you would like. Uh, <laughs> but after he died, I realized that what I'd actually said yes to was flying across the country and going back to Barry, my husband's hometown. Which was where again? Oakville, Ontario. In Canada. Ontario. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so because they were both second cousins and best friends through high school, of course, all the people in the church for Gord's funeral were Barry's friends and family. Um, so I was very nervous about being there. Uh, I took my place in my pew and I was quite near the front because I was speaking. And so immediately the woman to my right said, oh, how are you related to Gord? And I said, oh, I'm a longtime friend of him and his wife. And um, she sort of asked a few more questions. I told her my name and her face just fell. Uh, she teared up immediately. She's, you know, oh my goodness, are you Barry's wife? Yes, I am. And she said, I'm so sorry, Emma. I don't know why I didn't reach out. I'm his aunt. You know, the story comes out and she just felt awful. And at this point, 10 years had passed and she'd been carrying that guilt and, and sadness for all that time. And she, she genuinely felt terrible. Um, I don't know why I didn't reach out. Then much, too much time had passed. Then I couldn't think what to say, you know, that kind of thing. And essentially, I spent the next 48 hours hearing the same story from probably 50 different people. Um, and I consider this a final gift from Gord. When he asked me to deliver the eulogy, what he actually presented me with was an opportunity to go and hear from all the people that I hadn't heard from and to realize how painful and difficult it had been for them too. So it sucked for me to not hear from some people, but it also really was horrible for them, truly. Did you feel they were judging you that maybe they weren't um, because Gordon, because your, your husband had committed, Barry had committed suicide. Did you feel they were judging you in some way and didn't talk to you because of that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I invented all sorts of stories. And then there I am at Gord's funeral discovering that actually it's just, they didn't know what to do. <laughs> they, I mean, they, you know, they would say things like, it was just my first time that anyone died. I wish I said something, then I felt so embarrassed, right? And so when I got back on the plane home at the end of that couple of days, and it was right before Christmas, I just sat there and I thought, this is silly. I mean, this was difficult for me, but it was also difficult for them. And we're talking about a decade's worth of, of feelings. Heard on both sides. Yeah, on both sides. And so that's when I started to um, conceive of grief coach and I just thought with all the experience that I have doing other things via mobile phone and text message surely we can do better here and it's not that difficult right just send people some 
tips, support, suggestions, remind them about key dates, let them know, hey, this would be a good time to reach out to this person that's lost somebody. And um, yeah, so that's where Grief Coach came from. Because I, th- I think it's an unbelievable concept because all of us feel a little powerless when mm-hmm. someone dies. You go to a shiver or you go to the wake or whatever it is, and maybe you make a donation to charity or, or whatever. But then what? And, and, you're, and what you're, you've, your creation enables people to support that person through at least the first year. Yeah, I think it's um, flowers are lovely, casseroles are great, the $25 donation is great, but the ultimate condolence and the ultimate way to say I love you and I care about you is to get support for yourself and that person all year long so that you really can be there and be the friend you want to be. Do most the, most of the people who buy it are the grievers or the people supporting them? I imagined it was going to be the supporters, that, um, and it's been both, but often it's the grieving person. I've had a lot of people sign up because they themselves don't feel that they're getting the support that they need, so they purchase it for themselves. They're getting messages, and then they wait maybe a couple weeks, and then they start to add in their husband or their friend or their neighbor, people who have said that they would also like to get messages so that they can help. So So you don't have to, when you sign up, you don't have to immediately fill in those four people. Or if you're a friend and you get it, you don't have to immediately, and you say you're a friend, you get it, you fill in the person who's grieving and there are three or three other spots that doesn't have to be filled in right away. It's like a choice. Yeah. I have a couple of really good examples. So recently um, somebody subscribed because her friend's daughter had died by suicide and she uh, had known this daughter her whole life, you know, and uh, wanted to know what she was just, just desperate for some help and support about what to do, how to help her friend. So she purchased a subscription. She signed up herself and a couple of other friends who wanted to help the grieving mom. And they received messages themselves without even adding the grieving mom in because they just thought, you know what, it's too soon. Let's just worry about getting support and suggestions ourselves. And then if and when the mom is ready, we can always add her in to receive messages from her. Oh, it's, that's really cool. So somebody who's upset, it doesn't have to include the griever right away. No, not at all. They can and wait until the right time. Yeah, and sometimes that's quite common because if it's a grandparent, they, the grandmother might not even have a text messaging capacity. So you can purchase it for yourself as a supporter and get messages and tips and suggestions about how to help the grieving person. You can add the grieving person in later if you want. And conversely, I have grieving people. So another really lovely example um, is I had a a woman who signed up herself a few months ago. She had lost her baby. She had a stillbirth little boy. Yeah. And of course was devastated um, uh, by that loss and struggling to try and go back to work because her maternity leave had become a very short bereavement leave. And her husband wasn't really able to speak to her about it. And her best friend had moved across the country to help with the baby, but was shell-shocked and had gone back home saying, I don't know how to be with you when you're like this, right? So the mom's sad about her son, but she's also feeling completely isolated because no one knows what to do and say and how to help her. So she purchased the subscription herself. Then she added in her husband and her best friend, the friend who said, I don't know what to do. On the second day of the messages, the friend wrote back to us and said, thank you so much for understanding that this is hard for me too. 
And I really, it was very powerful, right? Because It's sort of like a bingo moment because like, that's exactly what you're trying to do. And it's, mm-hmm. yeah. And it's, it's so simple in a way, but it's actually life-changing for the bereaved person. If their best friend can actually be with them and find a way to build their own comfort and resilience to a very difficult process, then the grieving person's outcomes are going to be better too. So it goes both ways. Sometimes the supporter, sometimes the griever, and you can add in others and you can also change. You can also have some supporters for the first little while. And then if they don't want messages anymore, you can change it and add in other people. Wow. Uh, We have to take a little break for our advertisers who support this (laughs) podcast. But when we come back, I want to ask you um, about who puts together these messages and um, do our therapists involved or who's involved? I mean, who constructs them to know what to say, what to do, when to come through, do the messages come through once a week or whatever. So everyone to be continued, we need to take a brief break to allow our sponsors to keep this podcast free for all of you. We'll be right back. We're back. Thanks for tuning in to what is a really fascinating interview with Emma Payne. Emma, can you continue on with my question? How do you figure out what exactly you're going to say with these text messages to people and um, who advises you and how often do they get the messages? It's been such a humbling and wonderful experience to spend the last few years working with bereavement managers, grief and loss authors and experts. The, the, what I now know to be true is that there is no shortage of wisdom out there. Just even in this country, the number of sites, books, therapists, resources, support groups with all kinds of wonderful wisdom and support is there. And people are very willing to share what they know. So I have authors who have agreed to let me use their content, um, nonprofit organizations who publish all sorts of material. And I'm pulling from those often large, lengthy books and pamphlets into small text messages that go out over time. You get a message at least twice a week. The first month is more frequent, so we reach out quite a bit in the first few weeks, and then it goes down to a few times a week, as well as key dates. So if you're um, a mother who's lost a child or a child who's lost a mother, you would get a Mother's Day message, for example. Um, The wisdom's out there, and the need is there, right? There's all these people that need support. There's thousands and thousands and thousands of people with the wisdom. So what Grief Coach does is try to take small digestible pieces of that wisdom and give it to people when they need it, how they need it in small doses at the right time. And you tailor it to the way the person died or the situation or whatever. Yes. Yes. Thanks for asking that. So the messages are customized based on um, lots of things, but cause of death is one, the age of the person receiving the message, the age of the person who's died, the age of the person who's grieving. Um, all, all kinds of factors are in there, but cause of death is one and time since the death, for example, um, and your relationship to the deceased is a really important one. So someone that's lost their husband in a car accident is getting different messages than someone who's lost a child to cancer and is getting them at different times. So for the recipients, it's very simple. You just sign up and you get text messages at the end. On the back end, we have all sorts of things <laughs> <laughs> to try and make sure everyone's getting as appropriate messages as we can. 
Are any of the messages spiritually based? I mean, do you talk about the soul and all that, or you leave all that out and it's just simply the emotional dealing with grief? It's the emotional dealing with grief. We give people the opportunity to tell us if there are religious holidays that are important to them. So you can say, um, you know, that Ramadan is important or Christmas is important, and then you would get messages around those times. But in terms of the base content that everyone's getting all the time, it's not spiritual. We work on emotional support, quite a lot of, you know, logistics, nutrition, well-being, um, tips around specific kinds of losses. You know, the homicide content has been very... Uh, oh, yeah. How do you deal with that, with what's going on now? What do you, what do you even text about that? I find the, it's, it's, it's very... Um, it's very challenging for sure. Trying to think what to say and when and to who and, and, and how often. Um, and I, and stillbirth content, you know, oh, yes. that's its own thing as well. Um, drug and alcohol type deaths versus cardiovascular. I mean, they're different, they're different situations. Um, but I, my mantra in life and with grief coach is to not let um, a fear about not being perfect or saying exactly the right thing keep you from saying something because this is what cripples us in grief in general, right? You're so worried that you might say the wrong thing or you might upset the person that you don't even go and knock on their door. And that's actually the worst thing you can do. The worst thing you can do is nothing. So we try to venture forward and do our very best to send people the best messages that we can in as thoughtful a way as we can. I mean, I could see someone saying, should I pay them a visit? Shouldn't I pay them a visit? Will it be better? Do they want to talk about this? And this is so much of an easier way just to purchase, to, to subscribe to Grief Coach. And now the person will reach out to you saying, thank you so much, or there'll be a comment. And it's a way for you to even start a, a conversation, a dialogue to, right. to know what to do even more. Yeah, that's right. And I think just giving people a little bit of confidence that, uh, that they're doing the right thing, right? That it's okay to bring up stories about the person who's died. Guess what? Most grieving people love it. They usually love to hear a favorite story or a time that their dad made you laugh. And we shy away from those stories and we're nervous to even mention the person who's died when in fact the person wants the person that they've lost to still be talked about all the time. Oh, well, in my world, and, and our listeners know that my husband died next to me in a car accident. And in my world, people still laugh about how funny Saul was. And, mm -hmm. you know, I often think about, oh, you know, he would have done it this way or whatever. And even with the kids, we'll talk about funny stories. And you're right. It's so, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want him to disappear. Mm -hmm. it, you know, and we still, we still want to, to visit the huge contribution he made as a person mm -hmm. to our lives and all. Mm -hmm. You, you talk about organizations also subscribe. Um, so we have people who subscribe for themselves, which I think is a tremendous act of self-love. Here you are grieving, you had a loss, and you're doing this for yourself also, which is like a first step to trying to help yourself to heal a little bit in the grief. And then you have friends and family who don't know what to do. So this is, man, this is so great. I mean, you can send a condolence card that ends up in the recycle bin, or you can give the gift that lasts and is so meaningful by using grief coach. Yeah. Well, how do organizations do it? How does that work for like, this is a part that I'm really excited about. Um, it's, it's wonderful. So we have all manner of organizations here in the U S who provide bereavement support hospices, for example, actually have a Medicare requirement to provi provide 13 months 
of bereavement support. Um, I'm working now with organ procurement organizations who also, as part of their accreditation process, um, provide bereavement support. Not to mention the thousands of nonprofit organizations across the country who, you know, support children who have lost a parent or do uh, have had a cancer loss and the, the list goes on. Um, so organizations can purchase a package of subscriptions, which they in turn roll out to their um, patients uh, or the, the next of kin of the patients, the people that they provide bereavement support to. Right now, they try to meet these requirements by, you know, putting mailers, flyers in the mail. Uh, at month one and month four, for example, or they host um, summer camps for kids or candlelight vigils on Mother's Day. Um, so it's uh, time intensive and infrequent and generally just for people that are geographically able to attend these things. So what they love about Grief Coach is that they can now provide exponentially more support at least twice a week, not just to the immediate griever, but to their supporters as well. And the messages can come from them you know, Pine Hill Hospice um, is pleased to be providing this bereavement support to you this year as you work through the loss of David, for example. You know, go ahead. I'm sorry, Emma. I didn't mean to interrupt. One of the people that um, I interviewed uh, talked about he makes presentations to corporations about how men often, especially men, often fall through the, the hole or whatever fault because people don't know how to relate to men and men themselves don't know how to deal with grief and their feelings. I would think especially for anyone, but if, especially for a man, this would be a great thing because he can look at his phone. You know, he doesn't have to exactly deal with his feelings if he's not ready, but here is that message coming through to comfort him and to show that you care. Yeah, I think it's great for guys. It's because it's kind of non-invasive. It's not asking you to go and sit in a support group on a Saturday morning. It's it's a small um, and it's you know it's it's text messaging. It's not one-on-one therapy. It can be a supplement to all of those things for people that want more. Exactly, exactly. But for someone who just wants a, a little nudge, a little bit of support, I actually was at an event a couple weeks ago, and I was. Um, talking to someone about grief coach and a, a man in his, I would say mid thirties to my right said, Oh, I I've been getting your messages for, for four months. And I was like, Oh, wow, that's, that's great. And I um, asked how it had been. And in his case, he was supporting a friend who'd lost a baby and he said, he loves it. He's like, you know, I just had no idea what to do. This is my first time being with someone who had experienced this close of a loss and I like getting the messages and it brings her into my mind at regular intervals and gives me some, some suggestions about what to do, but that's all it is. It's just a couple messages a week. It's not taking over his life. It's not, and I guess he can read it, think about it and then act on that or not. You know, it's, um, it's not, it's not maybe invasive in the way that other things might seem to be too much. So now somebody has a loss. Or, or whatever. And a really good friend decides they would like to purchase Grief Coach for their friend uh, and for themselves and fill in the blanks of other people later. Do you, how do you, do you send the um, congratulations, you've received Grief Coach through the email or do they get a lovely, how, how do the people who say, how exactly does the subscription process work and how do you ease people into this concept the person's crying their eyes out and all of a sudden now someone's subscribed to grief coach for them or whatever how 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 does that work 
Yeah, we, in our FAQ page on the website, we actually have specific suggestions about language. Here's how you might want to talk about grief coach to your neighbor who's had a loss. You want to buy it for them, but check with them first. Or you've had a loss and you want to invite people to support you in that loss. So we've given people some language around that. Um, but mostly, you know, people are, you just go to grief.coach slash subscribe. You, you can start with as little or as much information as you want. So if you only start with the name of the person who's died and your cell phone number and your relationship to them, that's okay. And you'll start getting your messages and then you can log back in anytime and add supporters or give us more detail. The more detail you provide, the more customized your messages will be all year. Because um, I can imagine it would be very generic if they just put in their cell phone and their name. You're just going to get very generic messages. But if they give yeah. you more specifics, you can yeah, speak, but literally speak to that. That's true. But isn't it also true um, how universal many parts of grief are? So at the beginning, we thought, oh, if we don't have specifics, it won't be as good. And I suppose it's not. I mean, the more we know, the more tailored the messages can be. However, if that's your comfort, if you prefer not to share as much, you're still getting all of that support around working through a trauma and a loss and different, you know, whether it's breathing techniques or ways to build support or recommendation for a TED talk that applies to a similar relationship. Um, I think it's still, I think it's still helpful. So much of it is universal. That's yeah, it's fabulous. You know, tell our listeners how they can contact you and I'm very proud to say, everyone, that Emma is offering a custom coupon for Grief and Rebirth listeners. So listen up, because I think that a lot of you will really want to use this service. So yeah. how, how, uh, how do they contact you and tell them about your, your very special offer for our listeners? Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah, we've got half price subscriptions for our Grief and Rebirth listeners. So you just go to the Grief Coach website, which is just grief.coach. Click on subscribe and you put in the code grief and rebirth and you will automatically be uh, set up um, for a half price subscription. So that's going to be less than $50 for a whole year for up to five people. It's a screaming deal, isn't that's it? It's a screaming deal. It's $10 a person for the year. I mean, like if you put the grieving person and four other people in and say the four other people decide they're going to share it with you. Yeah, four into 50. Do the math, everyone. That's a pretty good deal. Uh, <laughs> Give them flowers. Yeah. <laughs> and you can even afford to send them flowers and make the donation to charity. Wow. That's like the whole, the whole bundle. I've had, I've had a lot of people say, well, why is it for five people? You know, just make it for one person. It seems almost too cheap, I suppose. But for me, that's the root of it in the first place, right? Grieving is a lot easier if we have a few people by our side who we can talk to. And um, there's already enough onus on the grieving person, the grieving person themselves. What they really truly need at the end of the day is for a couple of people in their life to be there for them as they, as they go through the roller coaster that is grief. Um, so yeah, all the subscriptions are for groups for that reason. Now say you've got a subscription you've got like, Four people plus the grieving person. One person is a sister. Another person is a good friend. Another person is a son or whatever. Are the messages, and when you find out about the, the profile of each of these people, so are the messages a little different for each of them depending on their relationship to the griever? Yes. Are they, yes, it is yeah, different. So messages are adjusted based on your relationship to the griever. But we do recommend that 
the subscriptions be created for a single grieving person. So for example, if you've lost your dad and you sign up your sister and your mom, that's not the, that's going to be difficult because only one person is the core griever. The other people are the supporters and they'll be getting messages about how to support you as opposed to about their own individual loss. So the subscriptions work best. You can, you can do it that way and some people have, but the subscriptions work best when there's support for a single grieving person from people who want to help them for the year. And in that case, yes, the messages are customized based on their relationship. That's really fascinating. And I have a couple more questions. And one of the ones that I want to ask you, because you went through so much on your own, Emma, and you did so much to help yourself. Do you have a message from you about the importance of healing to share with our listeners? Sure. I, I did work hard at my healing. That's true. I remember early on um, in therapy feeling very clear that I was going to fight my way through the mountain as opposed to looking for a path around it. I wanted to, I wanted to do the work sooner than later because, well, because I wanted to thrive, right? I didn't want to just survive. I don't think that would have been enough. Um, and for me, gratitude became a very, very, very powerful tool. It still is. Uh, I have a happiness jar that my kids and I um, do where we, um, you know, just one little, it can just be like a little random thing, um, take a scrap of paper, write down the gratitude, pop it in the jar. And then every year on New Year's Day, we open up our jar. And even on a very difficult year with sadnesses in it, it is incredible the amount of joy and happiness that happens. And it's lovely to reflect on it. Um, to me, gratitude is the best antidote to things like anger, right? We're, I, I'm, I'm so lucky and I'm so well supported. And that gratitude for all that I have had made it almost um, not easy, but it made it possible. It, it softened it a little. Yeah, to counter the rat, because it's true. I'm a lucky, I'm a very blessed person. And you also went, you also got help. Um, you had a friend or someone you knew who was helping you therapeutically, like, um, or not. Did I hear that right? Yeah, I had a therapist in, um, in Canada who, in Canada, there was free one-on-one support for anyone who lost someone to suicide. Amazing, right? Um, Part of the reason for that is that when someone loses someone to suicide, their own chances of dying by suicide skyrocket. So it's preventative as well as, as as a prevention as well as a postvention. But it was a massive gift to me. So I went religiously every Wednesday for probably three years. um, And I really... um, place a lot of credit there that support was was incredibly important for me especially i think because of the for me the specifics of the suicide and and uh, you know it was my first time knowing anyone to die that way never mind my own husband and all the feelings and confusion and and anger and guilt and responsibility and all of it um i really needed to i really needed to work that that through properly well that's one of the reasons i asked this question because I could not have processed my own grief um, without the help of a life transition coach I went to. Mm-hmm. And then because I had this spiritual awakening, I also well, got help from a, a, a spiritual energetic healer. And between the two of them, 
it, it gave me the ability, I literally say, to breathe again. I mean, like, it really, really helped me. And I, and I tell people all the time, if you're open to it, it really, it, it so helps the logjam and, and so helps in, in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. So I really believe in that. Yeah, I do too. And I, um, when people say, uh, oh, well, you know, text messages, it's not as good as therapy. And I said, yeah, agreed. <laughs> But it's a wonderful adjunct. It's a wonderful adjunct. But it's a really, really good start. And not everybody wants therapy. Not everybody needs it. And I'll tell you what, most people can't afford it. So what I see grief coaches as an incredibly affordable sort of gateway to support, a way to even think about the other types of support. And by referring people to other resources, whether it's TED Talks, podcasts, we're also providing them with more if they want it. Right. That makes total sense. And um, I just I just think it's it's not only it's so wonderful. And yeah, you're right. If they can't go for therapy or whatever, at least because to me, some people also feel very which happened to you. They feel very abandoned mm-hmm. when they have a loss. Mm-hmm. So through Grief Coach, they're seeing they're not abandoned. Mm-hmm. There's an incredible one of my favorite um not just grief authors, but one of my favorite authors is a woman in the UK named Julia Samuel. And she wrote a book uh, in 2017 called Grief Works. And there's a, it's a beautiful book. There's a chapter on um, if you've lost a sibling, if you've lost a parent, if you've lost a child. Um, but she closes with her chapter for friends and family and talks about, you know, not everyone is going to go and purchase her book. How many people will go and buy a hardcover 250 page book on grief? I mean, none really. Very few people like me and some others. That's not, I shouldn't say that people, I mean, it's a wonderful book, so it sells, but she herself says the real challenge is how to meet everyone else. How do, how do you reach the people who are not buying this book? How do you reach the people who cross to the other side of the street when they see their neighbor coming towards them because they can't think what to say or who step to the other aisle in the grocery line or who don't call that friend from college because they can't figure it, right? To me, grief coach is one answer to that question. Let's reach everyone else um, and give them, give them a way to begin. I had a card. So I was, this was a year after my husband died. I got a card in the mail from a high school um, friend. We've been very good friends um, for many, many years. And I hadn't heard from her and a whole year had passed. And she wrote this card and it was heartbreaking, really. She's, you know, I, I, I've been thinking about you. I feel like such a failure. I'm sorry. I didn't reach out. I just couldn't think what to say. And then more time was going on. And I responded immediately. And I said, it's totally fine. And I'm just happy to hear from you now. Right. And then I never heard from her again. Um, People, it's a real struggle. How to support someone who's in pain is a real struggle. It's very difficult. There's no, it's not like anyone is taught in high school, hey, here are some tips for helping someone that's going through something difficult. So I also try to remove the shame for people when people are saying, oh, I just, I feel silly. I just don't know what to do. It's really embarrassing. I'm a failure. I just remind them that no one's taught you. Yeah, it's like a normal response and we're helping and we're giving you some helpful yeah, ideas and all. I love that you recommend uh, books and other modalities and all of that because they can have a potpourri. They can have a choice. They can look through that and see what works for them also. And I like narrowing it down for people as well. So, okay, you don't need to 
go to the whole book, but here's the chapter that's just for people who've lost a sister because I know that you've lost your sister, right? By being more specific, I think it's a bit more accessible and more relevant and then more ultimately digestible for people. It's like, it's, it's digestible. Right. You do the work so that they can be free to grieve and support their their friends, but mm-hmm. you do that work. It's wonderful. And I have to ask you, you say that we'd be amazed to know how much fun grief and loss people are. <laughs> Please explain that to our listeners because no one else can understand that. <laughs> but, so help us, help, help them. <laughs> well, you're fun. <laughs> That's true. You and I are grief and loss people and we're having fun. <laughs> um, I it is staggering to me. So now working with bereavement managers across the country, um, people working with organ donor families, people that work in this space spend all day, every day, um, understanding that it all ends. And you're, you can respond to that fearfully, or you can respond the other way, which is what people seem to do, which is to just live in the moment, right? You go to a grief and loss conference, there's so much color. People are wearing all different kinds of you know, colorful scarves and they're happy and they're, they're living their lives. And so I, I just feel ecstatic to be working now in this space. I've been doing volunteer work and working in everything from crisis intervention and so on for 15 years, but it's only been full-time for me now for, for half a year. And I, I've never been happier. This is the work I'm meant to do. Yeah. Because you're making, you're, you're really making a positive change in people's lives. And actually you're taking to me, this podcast for me and the book that I wrote is the same way. I'm taking this horrible thing that happened mm-hmm. and I'm and I'm and it's propelling me forward to help so many people. Mm-hmm. And you you feel free that you've been able to you've you've gone through this excruciating pain, but you've been able to truly make a beautiful what mm-hmm. is it, the picture of lemonade from all those lemons? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's doing feeling that you can do some something productive with your experiences is in and of itself quite joyful it really is i agree we're all happier when we're productive and and helpful so yeah so would you say that's what that's your tip for finding joy in life is to find something very productive to do um in your life have a gratitude jar is there anything you'd like (laughs) to add to that gratitude works for me and being productive definitely works for me, even in the quite immediate aftermath of Barry's suicide, one of the best things I did was start volunteering at a um, crisis center, going out to high schools, talking to people, just because you just, I, 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 everybody's different. Everybody's grief is different and everyone needs different things. But for me, I um, needed and wanted to do something useful and to have some positive come out of something that had been so dark. I love how you've translated what's happened to you and what's worked for you to helping other people. It's just, it's real talk about paying it forward. That is like, I'm very, um, I'm very, very proud of it. I'm so proud of grief coach and I, how amazing to wake up each morning. So every day at the end of my day, I uh, look at the queue for the next day. And of course, every day as more people sign up, that queue is getting longer and longer. So I can see what everyone's going to get the next morning and make sure that it all looks right and work with my content people and tweak stuff. And it is so rewarding and so wonderful to see um, what people are getting and the responses 
from those people as the messages come in. I thought, well, maybe a ton of people will unsubscribe because maybe one person signs up and they add in three supporters and then supporters don't want the messages and they all unsubscribe. I mean, no one unsubscribes. <laughs> Since launching, I think I've had like one person unsubscribe. And wow. I, yeah. And I, that's, that's amazing. Cause all, yeah, you have to, amazing. all you have to do is text back unsubscribe anytime and, and it stops. Um, but it hasn't happened because I, I think, again, I think it's because it's bite-sized, it's not invasive, it's a small thing, and it's um, it's just to your phone, right? It's not You don't have to download anything. There's no app. It's just a text message that comes to you that gives you a little bit of support and encouragement, and, and that's it. It's like a touch of love that comes through your, love. Uh, your cell phone, and, and, you know, and, and that's really so lovely. It really is. I can think right now of three or four situations in my life that – are pending that I would definitely mm-hmm. use grief coach for. Um, it, you know, then. absolutely. Excuse me, what'd you say? Then don't forget to use the code. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. And by the way, everyone who are, I'm sure, loving this interview, here's a reminder to please be sure to like Irene Weinberg, W-E-I-N-B-E-R-G, and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks so much. I mean, this is an incredible interview, Emma. I think that what you have come up with with Grief Coach is wonderful. And I can anticipate, I really feel a lot of our listeners are going to spread the word and use it themselves. I think it's an absolutely wonderful vehicle for filling in the blanks when you just don't know what to do or you want to do more. And uh, it's just fabulous. And I must say that as a former violinist, I was very excited to learn that you play bass guitar. <laughs> yes, I do. We just had a show last week. It was so much fun. And she came up with the name of her band, which is called the Control Tops, which made me really laugh. <laughs> it's because we're mostly girls. So uh, I, I kind of assume. Like little punk rock. Little, <laughs> I, go to my, um, I go to band practice every Monday night and I call it therapy. I'm like, okay. I tell my kids, okay, I'm off to therapy. <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, you know, I think it's fabulous. And you're a female punk pop band. Yeah. And your songs tell it as it is. And you're, and you're, and you're kind of middle-aged women. It must be a lot that you're telling as it is. <laughs> it's, I actually just realized this after our show last week. So there's five people in the band and this has got to be unusual. One of them is in their twenties, one in their thirties, one in their forties. That's me one in their 50s, and our drummer's in his 60s. How so cool. That. How cool. <laughs> that is so cool. And then you have a guy drummer. We do. Does yeah. he wear control tops? He, I haven't asked. Might <laughs> <laughs> be a bit constrictive while he's trying to hit that uh, kick drum. <laughs> <laughs> you know... One of the things that you that I had read about you was that you felt after Barry died that there was going to be no lightheartedness left to your future, but here you are, and kudos to you for that. Uh, and um, I cannot suggest more to our listeners to go to Grief Coach. By the way, is the subscription for one year, and then they can renew it? Yep, they can renew it, absolutely, yep. But yeah, all the subscriptions are for a year. Some of the organizational ones work a little bit differently because hospices have a 13-month bereavement requirement, for example. But if you just regularly go and sign up, it goes for 12 months. And then and then you get a little thing that says, would you like to renew? And are the messages different in the second year or it's basically the same? 
They are, and already they are different. They're different well, in the sector. Yeah, because you know people don't necessarily sign up right after a loss. I have people that sign up for a subscription three years, four years, oh. ten years after a loss, and the therapists I talk to say the same thing because sometimes at the beginning we think we're okay. Um, but a couple of years later, we realize we're not, and we need some extra help. So the time since the loss also impacts the messages that you get. Uh, I had a person sign up last month who, you know, her husband died, um, I think it was like 1999. And so she was signing up well after the fact and wanting to kind of integrate that loss into her life now, all those years later. So that works too. That's fabulous. I am having so much fun chatting with you. I don't want to end this interview, to be honest with you, but we were we are going to have to. So um, I just, everyone, listen, not only is Grief Coach terrific, but Emma is terrific. And I hope you will all go on to her site and really uh, learn about Grief Coach and, and let Emma and Grief Coach help you and help your loved ones. And speaking of um, connections, this one is surely meant to be continued because I'm connecting again in person with Emma in Seattle this week. I happen to be traveling and I'm so looking forward to meeting you in person, Emma. Oh, it's great. What a coincidence. What a coincidence. <laughs> so as I like to say, bye for now. And this is really true. Bye for now and see you very soon. See you on Thursday. <laughs> Thursday. <laughs> Thanks, Irene. Thanks oh, so much. You're welcome. Ready. Truly my pleasure. Thank you.